Amen and amen. Man, I'll tell you, uh, I told a couple people in here this week, I hate to take credit for what God is rightfully his, but how many of us know there's certain things that if you do, it's going to rain? If you, if you wash your car, I guarantee it's going to rain. Amen? If you plan a camping trip, which we had planned tonight, uh, it's going to rain. And so um, I can't take credit for that, but um, I am glad for the rain. Is anybody else amen? I've been praying for rain. I don't know if anybody else has been praying for rain. I've, I've had a few folks contact me and say, man, pray, pray for rain. Our, our gardens, the, the farmers have needed rain. And so um, I'm praising the Lord. I, I, I apologize ahead of time for any of us who had a a walk out in the pouring rain. I know Brandon came in. He looked like he was pouring. And if that's any of you, I, I do apologize. Um, and on, on note of that, um, we need to keep praying for a permanent building. Amen. Um, that's something that we're not going to stop doing. We're believing for that. And uh, we, we've always known that this is a temporary location. And I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, we're going to keep believing, keep forward thinking, keep saying, you know what, Lord, we need a building, we need a building. You wouldn't believe it, but there is a team of people who come in here at 8 o'clock every single morning for two hours, and it takes that long to set everything up and tear it down, and, and, and that's okay. That's usually where most churches start at, amen, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. But we hope not to be there six months from now. I'll just tell you that right now. That's our goal is in six months' time to have a, a place where the children and us can all be in the same building together. Together and we can just continue to grow together. So we're going to believe for that. Um, today, I'm excited for this, this word. Um, it, it's, it's, I just feel like it's ordained by God. I, I feel like it's anointed by the Lord. Um, I'm getting ready to show a little video here, and my son's going to play it, but it kind of sets the stage for what we're going to talk about today. Is anybody a Marvel fan? I, I'm a Marvel fan. I know. Okay, judge me if you will. Okay, a couple of you guys are. All right, we got a few fans out there. So there's a, there's a scene that I want um, you guys to see here real quick, and then we're going to get into the sermon here. Uh, we made some modifications to the uniform. I had a little design input. The uniform? Aren't the stars and stripes a little old-fashioned? Everything that's happening, the things that are about to come to light, people might just need a little old-fashioned. Hey, man, I'm going to ask Corey to get those lights for me, too, back here, if you would, Corey. But I don't know if you're starting to pick up what we're getting ready to put down, but... Um, if you, if you caught it there, um, Captain America, uh, obviously, he says, aren't the stars and stripes a little old-fashioned? Can I tell you, our stars and stripes are never going to be outdated or old-fashioned. Amen. Everything that our stars and stripes stands for, that doesn't grow old. Amen. And so, so we're going to be, begin to talk about that, and I hope you're soaking this in. And then Agent Phil there, he says, with, with everything that's happening, the things that are about to come to light... And I'll say today, with, with everything that's already came to light, and I'm going to elaborate on that just a little bit here after a bit, I think we need a little bit more old-fashioned. So I played that to kind of, it, it's a perfect intro to what I want to talk about today, and I've entitled the message, Right Now More Than Ever, We Need a Little More Old School. I love that you said Amen. We need a little more old-fashioned. How many of us know 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was, there, was, there, there are things that are coming to light right now that I would have never guessed 20 years ago would ever be happening. And I don't know if you've seen some of this, but I, I sure have. And so right now, we need a little more old school. Today, I want to talk about just the craziness that, that's going on in the world. Um, um, and really, 
the things that are happening specifically in the United States. Um, and, and here's the thing. I believe there's a, a lot of confusion as to what our response as Christians and a, as the church should be towards all the craziness that's taking place. There, there are, it's coming at us so fast, and a lot of times we're, we're trying to figure out how, what, what should we be doing, what should we be saying, should we be quiet, should we be vocal. And this month, I'm not, I'm not saying anything good against this. I'm dead against this, but this month is LGBTQTXYZ month, right? And, 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 and how many of us know that the, our promise from God that the Lord would never um, flood the earth again has been prostituted, the, the rainbow. That's not right. That was our promise, right? And, and it's, been, it's been prostituted. And, and, and you know, we, we, we don't know what we're supposed to be saying, right? And, and, and a lot of us are thinking, um, are we just to love everyone maybe and, and turn a blind eye to sin? Or are we maybe just to keep quiet and not voice our opinion for fear that we might offend someone? Maybe... Are we supposed to tell everyone if they don't knock it off, they're going to hell? What's, what are we supposed to, how are we supposed to, how, what are we supposed to do, right? And so that's what I want to talk about today. Romans 13, 11, and 12 says this. And I believe we've got it up there, yeah. And do this, this is, this is God. Remembering or understanding the present time. You see, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. There's, there's a sense of urgency, amen? There, there's, we can tell God's, there's, there's a sense of, it says the night is nearly over and the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You see, we've, it says we've got to understand the, the present time that we live in. And can I tell you, as Christians, we've got to wake up. We, we've got to wake up. We can't just pretend that nothing is happening and hope that it won't trickle its way into our little communities. Because I tell you, Satan has an amazing way of trickling his way into communities. And yeah, maybe we're a little bit sheltered yet, but I'm telling you, it, it, it always comes down the pike and it, it'll eventually work its way in. And it has. We've seen that. And there's things that we thought, you know what, it's not going to affect us, but it affects us. Amen. And so... Um, this crazy thing keeps jumping all over the place. Um, bind Satan in Jesus' name. And, and it, it does affect us. Um, so uh, my wife and I, just a few weeks ago, we went to a conference. And uh, it's, it was a pastor's conference. And, and all the folks there were all pastors and their wives. It was amazing. Matter of fact, I praise the Lord because the folks who put it on, I don't understand how this happened, but, but they did. I don't, somebody must have donated a lot of money, and it didn't cost my wife and I anything. We went down there, stayed in the nicest hotel. The whole while, you know, sometimes you always feel like if you're getting something good, you think there's always a catch. Like, you know, at the end of the, you know, they're going to hand us a $1,000 bill or something at the end of the conference or something. And the whole time, we were prepared, but that, you know, they, they covered the whole thing. It was, it was amazing. But at this conference, I was, there was a common theme that my wife and I kind of took away from the conference. And this was, this was among some of the leaders of the country, really. Senators, we're talking uh, high-profile uh, spokespersons, Christian radio talk people, um, all these types of people. And the, the theme was this, it's time for the church, church of Jesus Christ to wake up. And I was encouraged because... 
there's a lot of times where I feel like uh, when I'm preaching, I'm kind of out here where I'm saying things that no, none of these other, I, I don't know if a lot of other preachers are preaching. And you kind of feel like, you know what, am I the only one who feels this way? And, and, but after that, I felt like, you know what, there was a whole bunch of preachers there who felt that same sense of, of urgency that, that time is short. Another thing that I kind of took from that conference is we as pastors and as Christians have to speak the truth. And the whole truth, regardless of, of any repercussions, amen? We, we, that's what we've got to do. There was a guy there by the name of, of Eric Metaxas. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this guy. I didn't know him a whole lot until the conference. Got to meet him. Matter of fact, we bought one of his books. He signed it. We got a picture, whatever. Um, he's this outspoken Christian man. He, he's got a syndicated radio show. If you get a chance, check him out. He wrote, he's wrote a lot of bestseller books. One of them is called Bonhoeffer. Uh, just recently, he wrote a book called Letters to the American Church. That's the one I'm currently reading right now. And that's honestly a lot of the inspiration for, for what I want to talk about today and what we're talking about today. And so I'm going to give him a lot of credit for this sermon because honestly, a lot of these in, inspirations come from him. But I think, just shift gears here a little bit, a lot of us would agree that the present time that, that we live in has a lot of problems. We've got a lot of problems. I'm just going to throw a few out here, not to really try and highlight them, but I'm going to highlight them. And we've got this radical transgender movement sweeping across the nation right now, and people are literally mutilating their bodies. And it's, it's very, very sad to me. Right, that God made us in this image and we think we can cut off body parts and we want to be someone who God, right, and certainly abortion's been a problem and we had a great victory in that, but we've lost millions of kids and sex trafficking, if you don't realize, and we, we can't just turn a blind eye to this stuff. It is a huge problem, literally stealing children and forcing them into unimaginable acts. Other things like critical race theory, uh, the courts have de- redefined marriage, uh, uh, Adults and kids alike have no idea whether they are a boy or they are a girl, or I'll even add another one, or they are a cat. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Is anybody on board with what I'm saying here? So, so in light of all these issues, and, and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. A lot of you guys are thinking of, why did, well, you, you could say this, you could say, yeah, there's a bunch, there's a lot of issues what does call, God call us to do as Christians? And I'm going to rattle off some things here quickly. James 1.22 calls us not just to be hearers of the word, the Bible says, but we've got to be doers of the word. It's not enough to come in here and listen to the word of God, but we've got to take it out into the world and actually do what God says. We've got to live out our faith. Mark 12 verses 31 says, love your neighbor. Can I tell you, when, when we're loving to one another, that's an action. That, that's, and I'm, I'm going to say our neighbor could be anybody, but let's just use our actual physical neighbors. All of us, some, all of us in here, we've got, we've got neighbors. Some are farther than others, but that's getting to know them, amen, and, and reaching out to them. Back in the day, Man, neighbors knew all each other, and they, kids went over to another house, and they went to your house, and if one gotten out of line, buddy, you know what? It, you, you have full permission to discipline my kid when they're over there, and the same, and it was just, people had dinners together, and if somebody knew that somebody lost a loved one, man, you, you showed up to the funeral, and you said, I'm sorry for your loss, and, and back in the day, I don't think we'd do it as much, but we used to invite people over for dinner, and we'd cook, and we'd, we'd fellowship together. You see, 
just returning a package that gets sent on accident to you that your neighbor's package isn't loving your neighbor, amen? We've got to do more than that. We've got to love on them. And I know that's old school, but that's what we're going to talk to old school. We need more old school. We need to stick up for the truth. That's another thing we need to be doing, guys, is sticking up for the truth. I talked about a little bit. Ephesians 6.4 says, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. You see, if, if we as Christians stick up for, for the truth, or if we don't, I'm sorry, if we as Christians don't stick up for the truth, guess what? We're part of the problem. If we as Christians don't stick up for the truth, we are part of the problem. We can't just not talk about truth because it may offend someone. You see, sticking up for the truth is actually the most loving thing that we can do. Is, is that true? It, it, it is. I know it is. And, and so, so it, it, just a quick example maybe, if a kid is, is, is playing on the railroad tracks, you don't just turn a blind eye to that and you, and you can hear the, the train coming. You don't just say, well, I'm not going to offend them by dragging them off of the tracks. No, you jump down and, and you do whatever it takes to get that kid off of the tracks because that's... The truth is, it's better for you to not get ran over by a train, amen? Some, some of us need to know there's a train coming towards us, and the Bible says, hold back those who are staggering towards the slaughter. Sometimes we've got to hold those folks back, and, and that's, that's on us. And here's something that, that I'm just going to say out loud. Not sticking up for the truth enables evil and wickedness. Not sticking up for the truth of, of the Bible. This is truth, by the way. I hope everybody understands where I'm coming from. This is truth. Not sticking up for this actually enables evil and wickedness. Romans 12, 21 says, it tells us clearly, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we, we've got to speak about evil in order to act out against it, amen? We've got, to, we've got to call that out. And if we know something is evil or wicked, we speak up. That's one of the things we've got to do. And it's, I don't need to tell you this. Everybody needs to hear this as Christians. It is absolutely okay to be against something that, that is evil. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong, period. And that, that's okay. And, and here's what happens. It, 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 you see, this subject that we're talking about, a lot of people say, you're, you're, throw, you're being too political. They throw out the, you're being too political card. And I'm here to tell you that's nonsense. People are going to hell and we're worried about being too political? We as Christians need to stop worrying about being politically Correct. Amen. The other day I was in um, Label Shopper and I saw this and it's kind of an inspiration today, but it says politically incorrect and proud of it. Amen. If I had an office, I think I would hang this in my office. That way, if anybody come to me and said that, hey, you, you're being too political from the, from the pulpit, I'd say, look at the sign, baby. Look at the sign. I do not care. Here's, here's, here's my resolution. Um, this thing just did the same thing to me. Um, here's my resolution. I don't care about the world. I don't care what the world thinks about me. I, I just don't. I don't care what the world thinks. I only care what God thinks about me and what the word says. 
There it is. I'm just saying it out loud. I, I don't care what the world thinks about me. I could, I could care less. And, and one of the principal ways our culture has gained strength in persuading so many American churches that to fight back is to abandon the gospel. And can I tell you, that's just nonsense. That, that's, just, that's just nonsense. It's this, what, what's happening there is when they're trying to say, oh, you're being too political. You can't talk about that from the pulpit. Can I tell you, that's designed to silence those of us who actually have enough guts to speak the truth. That's what that is. It's a silencing technique. Critical race theory, exact same thing. Black lives matter, exact same thing. Yeah, I just said that from the pulpit. It's a smokescreen to keep people focused on nonsense and us fighting amongst ourselves. All the while, they're pushing their agenda like you would never believe. There was a senator at the, at the conference we were at, and there was a lot of high-profile people there. And, um, and they, they told us that you couldn't believe, we, we as, as myself, I'll say this, as, as a common person out in the little rural community, we can't get our heads wrapped around the amount of millions and maybe even billions of dollars that is being poured into agendas trying to just tear us away from the foundations of, of old school Bible, amen? We, we can't even grasp, they said, how much money and lobbying and everything else is going on out there. And can I tell you, Make no mistake about this. This Satan's great at this. I hate to give him credit for something that, that he's great at, but it's true. They're going after our children. You, you can turn a blind eye to this and say, oh, no, we're out here. It's never. I guarantee you they're going after your children. It's in their agenda. They want to brainwash your kids. We need more old school. Can I tell you, this is off subject just a hair, but if Johnny punches Susie, we don't gather together as parents and talk about why Johnny acted out in such a way and rationalize it. Oh, he's been under a lot of stress. No, we bust Johnny's butt and help him to realize that there's, there's, there's things that we never do, and this is one of them. Can I tell you, here's, here's, I tell that story because it's got to start at home, folks. Here's what I know there needs to be a healthy fear from our children of mom and dad. The Bible says we need a healthy fear of God, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That just acknowledges, hey, God has my breath in his hand. He has my existence within the palm of his hand. He could take me out at any time. I, I, I'm not fearful of that, but he's in control, amen? And our kids need to know that mom and dad, in a united way, they're in control. I, I, I tell you this, you can ask any of our kids growing up. They knew that, that we loved them and would do anything for them. I, my wife and I love our kids. They are the apple of our eyes. But they also knew that when mom and dad said something, we meant what we said. And we expected them to do it. And, and here's the key, parents, if you haven't figured this out yet. If they don't do what is expected of them, they knew that ahead of time that there was consequences for those actions that they knew what the consequences were and if they broke the rules mom and dad would follow through with whatever we said we would do listen mom I know it's painful and dad to, to come through with whatever you say but whatever you threaten with whatever the consequences you need to come through with it you need to do it and they need to know you mean business amen they do but it's it's got to start at, at, at the house and it's no different with a heavenly father, right? He, he disciplines us. If we, we are obedient to God's word and follow him, blessings follow. But can I tell you, if we're in sin, 
consequences are always following sin. And they're always negative and they're always painful. And that's, you know what? Pain is a good learning tool. Amen? Pain, pain is a good learning tool. And we've got to be raising our children in the ways of the Lord because if we don't, I promise you the schools will. I promise you the colleges will. I promise you the, the world will corrupt their minds quicker than anything you, they'd be happy to corrupt those minds. They're, they're, they're there. That's what they're doing. That's what Satan's agenda is. Ezekiel 3.18 says this. If, we, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, us Christians give him no warning, nor uh, speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways. Or in other words, if we choose to remain silent in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity or for his sin, but his blood will be required at our hands. Do we, do we understand what that says? That's telling us that we as Christians, we're, we're going to be held accountable if, if we just decide we're going to be quiet on these, all these subjects because we're worried about offending someone. Can I tell you the Bonhoeffer book, and, and I think I'm going to do a, a whole sermon on this because it's so good, and I'm going to pull a couple of little excerpts out of it, and I hope it doesn't ruin a future sermon, but the silence of the church in Germany it's what led to the rise of evil in Germany. There, there was a presence of the church in Germany that was super strong at the time that Hitler took power. But you know what? Here's what happened. There were trains full of Jews being sent off to the concentration camps and they would go through these towns more in, in the Sunday mornings when they were having, having church. Churches full of people, people inside. They could hear the screams of the people on the trains and instead of doing something, you know what they did? They began to sing louder so they couldn't hear the screams coming from the Jews that were going off to be literally horrendously tortured. If something is evil, we speak up and we don't remain silent. Is that true? And, and, and us Christians, I'm gonna, this is a challenge to all of us. Don't you dare be bullied. Don't you dare let somebody bully you into being silent. That's, that's not our job, right? Don't, don't, let's not do that. And here's something um, I'm going to say, and I think it's a forgotten thing in, in Christianity, but I, I think if... if we ought to commit this to memory, the next verse. It's, it's Proverbs 31, 8, 9. Proverbs 31, 8, 9 says this. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, or in other words, people who are lacking something, destitute, speak up for the rights of those folks and, and, and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. And, and I, I get it. You know what? That's old school, and we need more of it. Of course, we're, it, it could have been the, 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 the folks in Germany, they should have spoke up for, for the Jews. And if they would have stood, there, there's many, many people, because so many people back in those days were actually Christians, they could have fought against and it would have made a difference. But, but it's the same thing for us. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. I am obviously not a woman, but I would love to have a big woman belly here, a pregnant, well, that's my, the best I can do. We've got to speak up for the unborn baby. Can I tell you that? Because they don't have a voice for themselves. But we do. We, we've got to speak up for the unborn. 
And in, in the beginning of, and maybe some of you guys are not used to this, but we do a declaration every week. And in that declaration, every week, we say we believe in the sanctity of all life, beginning at the moment of conception and ending at death. And we do that on purpose, so everybody realizes. Now, I want to set the stage, too, and I'm not, I'm not dismissing sin. I'm not, but if, if you've asked for forgiveness of your sins and there's something that you're struggling with here, can I tell you up front, God will absolutely forgive you of any sin that you have, and he'll take that as far as the east is from the west. I'm not here to beat somebody up or anything like that, but I know we're, we're going to speak truth, and we're going to stick up for that unborn, and, 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 I, and we believe in the sanctity of human life. And you know, Jesus did, too. Jesus did the same thing. If you remember the, 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 the Pharisees and everybody, they caught a woman in the act of adultery, literally cheating on her husband with a man who she's not married with, if we're not familiar with the adultery. And they drug her to Jesus, and they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. They, they were looking for a reason to kill him. They threw her down, probably naked, by the way. They threw her down in front of Jesus and said, hey, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Jesus, what do you say about this? The, the word says in Moses' law that we're supposed to stone her. And they all had stones, big rocks. They were wanting to throw at her to kill her. They, they all had stones. And they said, the, the, the law of Moses said we're supposed to kill her. But what do you say, Jesus? You see, they were trying to trick him. They were trying to catch him into something. And Jesus took his finger, the Bible says, and he, he draws a line. I don't know if it's in the sand, in the dirt. He draws a line. And I, I kind of believe it was in between them and him and the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. And they're just mad. It's an anger mob. And they're screaming at him, what do you say? What do you say? He says, any of you who have never sinned, take the stone in your hand. You throw the first stone. And you cast the first stone. You see, Jesus knew that we, we've all sinned. Bible, Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Any of you who have never sinned. You see, she was helpless. She was voiceless. She could not speak for herself at that point in time. She was 100% in the mercy of Jesus. And in the midst of that, what did he do? He defended her, didn't he? He stuck up for her. He, he loved her. And then when they're all gone, because none of them could throw the first stone, because they're all sinners, just like us. And one by one, you heard the, the rocks probably thud on the ground as they all walked off. And the Bible says the oldest to the youngest, I think because the older ones were more wisdom-filled. They were all wrong. And then he looks at the woman who's probably, can you imagine if just moments before you were thinking they were going to kill you? And all of a sudden now, they're gone. She's got life again, a second chance. And Jesus looks at her and says, hey, where are your accusers? And she looks around, they're all gone. She said, there are none, Lord. And she says, ne or he, Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Hey, man, we got to defend the helpless. And, and over, over time, there's been so many people who have defended the, the, the folks who have no voice. William Wilberforce, we know most of us, he was told, he was, they told him to keep his faith private. His religious views had no, no uh, you know, they sh he shouldn't be in the courtrooms. He shouldn't be in, in government. And he, you know, he was the guy who said slavery is wrong. And they said, well, stop being too political. And he fought hard, and he ended, it, he ended up winning, and, and now slavery is, is no more. Thank God for people like that. They, he stuck up for those who had no voice for themselves. Amen? Bonhoeffer, back in, in the time of, 
of Germany. He, he was one of the only pastors, well, there was a few more, that, that stuck up for the Jews, and he knew it would cost him or may cost him his life. And they told him, stop being so political. And he said, I'm doing it anyways. He felt like he had an obligation to help those who had no voice. And, and let me just say this here, because this is really one of the things I wanted to get to today. With regards to being political and not stepping over the quote-unquote, um, what do they call that, separation of church and state. I want to talk about that for a minute. And I know some of this stuff, especially if you're not a history, I'm not a history person at all. But I did a ton of research on this particular subject because I wanted to make sure I presented it well, presented it in a way that we could all be on the same page and understand what our rights are as Christians, what we can and can't do. And so let me read to you where the so-called separation of church and state actually got pulled from. It's, it's in our Constitution, and if you've never read it, you need to get it out. I've been reading it, and it's, it's, so, it's full of God. We are grounded and rooted in, in the Lord and in his words and his ways. Those are foundational to who we are as a nation. Whether we realize that or not, it's still there, right? And so it says this in, in the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, it says this, I'm I'm reading it point blank, quote. I'm not adding or subtracting anything. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedoms of speech or of press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievance. You see... This has been twisted something awful. Let let me just set the stage here. The First Amendment is and always was intended to keep the state from telling the church how to believe and how to worship and, and from controlling us in any way. That's the way it was always intended, to protect the people of faith from government intrusion which is honestly the central idea behind what we think of as religious liberty. That's, I know some of us are, I've lost you here, but the state and the government have no business telling us as a church what we can and cannot do according to the First Amendment. They have no business whatsoever. And, and honestly, that separation of church and state, if you do some research on that, that actually comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote back in 1802 to the Danbury Baptist Association. And he said in that letter, uh, he declares that the American people adopted the Establishment Clause, which built a wall of, quote, unquote, separation between the church and the state. And once again, that was still intended to keep the church free of the state's fingers in it amen that's that's and so what everyone did is they took that phrase and they they ran with it and i'll tell you for the first 150 years of our existence in 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 who we are as the united states nobody ever contested that it was all understood that's what it was supposed to be in the beginning eric metaxas said it this way he said we have known that religious liberty means that we are not merely able to worship privately and to to keep our religion to ourselves but are guaranteed a free exercise thereof so that our faith must by definition be carried everywhere we go and on every day of the week and in every place we take ourselves. And Joe talked about this just a few weeks ago on, um, on um, Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Um, we remember those. It says many have died for those freedoms so the mistaken idea that we should voluntarily give them up 
is unprecedented, deeply un-American, and cannot be allowed to continue. It constitutes a violation of what makes America, America, end quote. And I praise Jesus for that. I love it. And they've twisted it, and they, they've taken it to mean that, that the public square needs to be stripped of, of all faith entirely. The schools are not allowed to do this. And the courthouses, we need to take the Ten Commandments out of that. Can I tell you where, where this country went to pot at? Is when we start doing that stuff. That's when it started heading downhill. That slippery slope has just been sliding and sliding and sliding. And the, the notion that we can't talk about anything that is so-called political from the church, from the pulpits, it's just nonsense. It's, it's not true. It, separation of church and state does not prohibit us from, from talking. It just, it just absolutely does not. Amen. And so especially when we're speaking up for the helpless, especially when we're calling evil, evil, or a sin, a sin. We're, we're allowed to talk about that stuff. And I, I'm getting ready to close here just real soon, and I'm gonna ask our worship team to come up. But in 1954, Senator Lyndon Johnson introduced an amendment to the US, U.S. tax code prohibiting churches. See, they, they, they'd love to twist and find ways to try and penalize the church any way they can, right? They'll re, redo something, whatever, so, so they, um, um, give me just a second here. It says prohibiting churches and other nonprofit organizations from taking a public stand on political candidates. If anyone from the pulpit dared to endorse a candidate, that church's tax exemption would be repealed. You see, when I read stuff like that, I just look at that and I say, these, these threats are just empty. They're just empty words to me. That, that literally means nothing. And what that is is a muzzling technique for us as Christians. They're trying to say, oh, if you do this, then you're going to be penalized. If my conscience, I'm just going to tell you right now, if my conscience and the Holy Spirit lead me to speak for a candidate whose ways line up with Scripture, then I'm going to speak it. If, if the Lord and the Holy Spirit lays on me that, that there's a candidate that... that goes dead against the word of God, I'm going to speak it. I, I, I'm not going to hold back. And here's the thing. If they want to take away our tax-exempt status, then I say take it. That's not up for a debate for me. We're not going to sit on the sidelines and, and talk about what I can and can't speak out of God's word from the pulpit. No. We're not doing that. We're not going to let the world muzzle us we're not going to be quiet as christians and and as i close i've just got some encouragement because i i know a lot of people are thinking man this guy they're going to string him up they're going to kill him if i speak up they're going to kill me if if whatever so be it the bible says to die is to gain amen the moment that we die if we know jesus is our lord and savior we're going to be in heaven we can't fear the enemy we can't fear the devil. Joshua 1.9 is one of my very favorite verses in the whole Bible. And it says this, and this is God speaking to us, his people. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. The Bible says, don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Don't be worried. Why? Why shouldn't we be worried? Because right after that, the Lord says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I don't care where we're at. The Bible says the Lord will be with us. And if God is for us, then do you know what comes next? Say it out loud, church. 
If God is for us, who can be against us? Or in other words, who cares what the world thinks? I don't. I can say that with a peace in my heart. I do not care. God is for us. No weapon foreign against us shall prosper, the Bible says. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it goes on after that. I love this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, along with his sacrifice of his own son, graciously give us all things? Can I tell you, God, he says, my most precious thing in, in, in existence was my son. And basically, in essence, God's saying, if I'm not holding him back, I let him die for you. You think the things that you need here on this earth, I'm going to withhold from you, baby? No. If you need protection, I'm going to give it to you. If you need deliverance, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. If you need a healing today, these altars are open. I'm going to give it to you. God says, I won't withhold any good thing from you. And we, we can trust that. I don't know about you guys, but with everything that's happening and what has already come to light in our nation, can I tell you, I think we need a little more old school. Amen? I think, I think we need a whole lot more old school. The hour has come for, for us as Christians to, to speak up and to wake up. And God has called us to take his values out of the church and into the world. I'm going to ask you guys to bow with me as we go to the Lord in a time of, of prayer. And like I said, the, these, these altars are open. If the Lord's laid something on your heart and you need prayer, you're welcome to come up. Our prayer team will come and we'll pray with you. I don't care if you need healing. I don't care if you need deliverance. I don't, I don't care if you need set free. Lord, it's, it's my prayer that every single one of us as we're bowed right now would, would have a stirring in our heart, Father God. We would have a boldness that's just, man, it's just eating us up inside. Give us that boldness, Father God, to stick up for the truth. Lord, help us to be a people who understand the time we're living in. We're living in a time where, where the, the world out there is dark and they are lost and the truth is they're hurting and they're lonely and they're broken. And, and, and we know the truth as Christians. And the Bible says if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And can I tell you, help us not to withhold that information from them. Help us in a loving way to present that to them. We are the light of the world, the Bible says. Lord, help us to be a people that realize and know that we can't remain silent anymore. No more. Father God, help us to stick up for the truth. Lord, help us to be a people who speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. If we see evil, we need to call it out, Father God. Put that conviction upon our hearts, Father God. Lord, help us to be a people who could care less about what's politically correct. Lord, lastly, as I say this, and I'm going to step off and just, if anybody needs prayer, we're going to spend the next couple minutes just praising and praying to God together, pouring out our hearts. But help us to be a people that decide ahead of time, just like my, my family and I have decided. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. I invite you to stand with me. These altars are open.